calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Du. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist's life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tananarev do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Woo! Here we are. We're back. Yes! Such exciting news. The WGA strike is over. We're going to give it another round of applause for that. That is amazing. Yes! It seemed to last forever, and then the ending seemed to come so suddenly. I would like to acknowledge, curiously enough, the studio's for having enough common sense to recognize what was actually in their best interests. True. It took them a long time to be able to finally see what was in their best interest, and we had to wake them up to yes, the fact that treating us you know, with respect was in their best interest. As long as they considered it to be in their best interest to stonewall, that's what they did. Yeah. And that's what you have to do anytime you're trying to change somebody's mind. You have to convince them that the new behavior is in their best interest. There you go. And unions work. So anyone yes, they do. thinking about joining their union has hesitated for a strike authorization. Without button. a union, 20% of writers would get paid very, very well, and they would absolutely lowball the other 80%. They sure would. And we're going to unpack it all. We're going to unpack how we heard about the end of the strike, where we were, what we were doing, our feelings about it, and the, the implications for all writers. But before we get into all that, honey, what do you say we talk about, you know...
Hallelujah. Let the congregation say hallelujah. Because thanks to the end of the strike, what we've been doing is talking to our executive again. <laughs> we we have a couple of adaptations in, in the works. One is public. I'm not going to talk about either like specifics for either okay, one. Okay, if you're not going to talk about it by name, I certainly won't. Yeah, either. let's just not. Because I don't know, everything's so up in the air. I ha- We haven't even checked in with one of the teams. I don't know what's going on. But the team for... A- project that was in development before the strike had just signed the director or was in the process of signing director for a television adaptation of one of my very popular books. I will say that (laughs) very popular. We were able to start meeting with our executive. We had our first Zoom, like the Writers Guild sent out an email and said, hey, guys, you can go back to work starting at starting Wednesday. 1201. Huh? 12.01. 12.01 a.m. Wednesday. And it was like such a, I mean, on the one hand, everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting for the end of the strike. And then it's like, oh, wait, what? And sure enough, immediate email from this executive. But that was great because you don't know what's going to happen in in the interim. It's been months since the last time we communicated with this guy. Is he even still with the company? Is, you know, has the enthusiasm waned? You don't know what's going to happen. And to find out that they're still there, they're still excited. They've been meeting with the director to come up with strategies for pitching and the deck and can't wait to involve us in that project. Excited for us to 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 write the pilot that they they already hired us to write the pilot. So it's just exciting. Yeah, it is. And I think that when I look at this and I look at what I've learned about Hollywood and shows and talking to people who've gotten shows on the air, it's my honest belief that enough different factors have lined up that we need to take this super seriously. In my my estimation, this project is going to happen and we need to risk we need to be willing to risk the emotional disappointment of committing to that in case it doesn't happen. But I think that for basically what we have to do is we start, we have to start saying, when this happens, this is how we're going to respond to it. This is how we're going to organize ourselves. This is how we're going to have, have our home life. This is how we're going to take care of our bodies, how we're going to take care of our emotions. This is how we're going to work our work schedules, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the last year, because it's been a, you know, our lives changed massively over the last year. Oh, boy. Uh, and I think that it's all been about, in one sense, getting ready for this, mm-hmm. getting ready for this phase in our lives. And in, there are ways in which this is the phase in our lives we've been waiting for our entire marriage, that we've been working for this. You've been working for it for your entire career. I've been working for it for my entire career. So, you keep saying like this is it. This is yeah. Like, I keep saying like, that because I, I, I Angela Bassett in and Black Panther. Uh, this is your time. This yes. is our time. You know. Yes, and I think that that especially the little girl inside you needs to celebrate. You know. You know the little boy inside me doesn't get to celebrate to quite the same degree because it's not his project. However. He is totally engaged. He loves your little girl. He loves the project. And it's totally in alignment with his own goals of getting his own projects to the screen. This is playing chess. If we get this going, we have the leverage to do other things. Yeah. Make no mistake. So I need you to tap into your joy on the deepest possible level to let it explode. And what I promise is I can handle it. Yeah. I I can handle this. 
we were talking about this yesterday. We've never collaborated better. We think yeah. we're in the midst, almost the end, really, of our summer love feast that we have decided to extend into a fall love feast. Not yet. We'll have. Yeah. The- well, the, the summer love feast ends ends Sunday on the yeah in Sunday on the first of of October, and we will renew our vows in that sense. And I think that we're going to be renewing them every quarter. I found out that I got a little love feast fatigue in the last couple of weeks, where I stopped really connecting every day in the way that I needed to. It was just so much happening. So that's on me. It was like, oh, okay. So so I I, I finished the marathon, but I, my butt was dragging the last mile. I kept moving, but my butt was dragging. So what I need to do is to ask myself, the next time I want to cross the finish line strong. Wow, look at you. And 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 on my side, I'm just looking at you with astonishment. I even talked to my therapist about, oh my God, he's doing so much. I don't even believe in self-therapy, but he's really taken this to such a high level that, wow, I think it's been going fantastic. And because you are focusing on your love for me, that enables me to focus on my love for you and I'm less defensive. And if you have a concern, I can hear it. You have been much less defensive. I will say that I've seen reactions from you that I've never seen before. And you were already operating at the highest level. So it's 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 no criticism of your previous behavior. I know, I understand that, sweetie. It's I just I can see the growth and the access to your love, the your ability to feel safe in our marriage, is what is what you'll be able to use that energy, any energy you used to use to protect yourself. That I create an environment in which you are safe to dissolve that barrier. That energy then gets to be is freed up to do what it is that you want to do. Like, for instance, come up with genius level insights into how to do this project. Mm. It's going to require us to rethink what you were doing back then when you created it. And if you're not defensive about it, I think that amazing things can take place. My attitude is let's plan three seasons of absolutely spectacular television. Hell yeah. Let's you know? do that. Let's and do then it. Once we get into it, once we get past the first season, yeah. we, we can see we will create another two seasons. You know, so it's like, I think that we can do three seasons out. And then once we're in it and we see it, we create the next two seasons and that's it. You know, if we could, if we could create three to five seasons, of a television show that is exactly what we wish we could have seen when we oh, were growing up. Wow, yes. We will have fulfilled our life promise to ourselves and each other and our ancestors and our children. That's beautiful, honey. And, you know, we've been in a similar place at an earlier time. We've had a director attached previously, but we never had the amount of agency and involvement in that project at that time for this exact same book, by the way. <laughs> And the timing was very different then than it is now in 2023, even in the the post-snap Thanos world of Hollywood, where all the studios and streamers are going to have to make different decisions and probably buying fewer shows and all that uncertainty around us. I feel like we're still in the absolute best position we've ever been to get this done. It, it's true. There are a number of different projects. There are probably five different projects that are either live or could become live, maybe more. I mean, because I'm working on a couple of books and you're working Mm -hmm. on 
a an adaptation of a, a graphic novel story. Um, we've got an audio thing that people keep promising is going to drop any moment, and then there are uh, you know there are other television things, and then there are movie ideas. So the question of what's in that circle of this this project is alive and earning us money is one thing. Then there the then there is the there are the projects that are going to happen. <laughs> there are pro- the projects that are not really speculative. Right. Based okay. upon our past track record. Okay. There are other projects that are speculative, but I think the timing is perfect. And the other projects that are much more speculative. But there's one that is very speculative. I kind of doubt it, but it's also potentially quite lucrative. So right. I'm going to be sick. I'm, I'll, I'll take it seriously. Listen. You're talking about house money. Yes, we are. You know, yes, so it's so like you know, anybody who can who can buy my family a house, I'm going to take I'm going to take that job very seriously. Still uh, renting, still renting, which that's is right. you know, very common, by the way, in Los Angeles. In the Los Angeles area, housing prices are exorbitant out here, as they are in many places. So, yeah, we're still renting, and we would like not to be renting uh, this time yes, next year. We'll I see. need to not do that. There is a place inside me that feels like I have been homeless. For a long time, and I need to feel like I'm putting down some roots, and that's that's a psychological need. No, and it's more than a psychological need because at any point when you have a lease, the landlord, you know, within a certain time frame, can say, "Hey, you guys need you to get out," and then your life is uprooted. We've had that happen twice before, yes. so this is not theoretical, and it has always been horrible. So, so I think that my attitude is that we treat if we treat this series as the most important job of our lives, then when our current lease expires, we will be ready to buy a house. Hopefully, you know. That's not a matter of much closer, much closer. Or no, yeah. no, no. Okay. If, if, if that, that, to me, we need that confidence. All right. I'll take the confidence. Yeah, I just, because me, if, you if know, you, the only reason I pull back from the full confidence is to avoid future disappointment. Yes, but, I know. But you're but right. I think, I think that it's time, you know, the magic formula says that one of the one of the things you need is confidence. And as long as you aren't in a zero, you're okay. And you're not in a I'm zero. not in a zero at all. I'm saying it's time to take it to a 10. Even right. if it feels like we walked off a plank at the end, we, we'll survive. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll do that. And and before we move on, you know, in addition to resuming meetings, which we did this week, we're, we're also working on the other projects that we were doing during the strike that were not affected by the WGA, which is I'm finishing up a 24-page indie comic that I'm actually writing that will be edited by Pornsack Pichet Schott, who did The Good Asian. And, you know, I'm loving the opportunity to learn comic writing under uh, his tutelage. And you're working on, of course, a very big IP novel. Yeah, I'm working on a Star Wars novel, and I'm actually not going to work on it for the next couple of days because I've, I got it to the point where I've got a printed manuscript so I'll I'll give it a couple of days rest, and then on the first of October, actually the second of October, I'll get started back into it. I feel like taking some time to rest would be a good thing. Let my unconscious mind chew over it, play with the the outline for the potential movie script based hey. on the Fellini equation. There you go. The then there's the book I'm working on with Larry Niven. I'll be working on that today because I want to send that to him, and then on Monday. I will be meeting with him personally. So I, I figure I'll start back on Star Wars on Tuesday. Today and over the weekend, I'll make sure that, that Larry's project is ready because the ideal situation will be by the end of October, the book with Larry is basically done. 
Right. Or at the very least, it's in a position where we're just tinkering with it and just having fun tinkering with it. And then I can move into, you know, I will also have gone over the Star Wars novel several times. And so it should be fatter. Uh, you know, if I add a, a few hundred words a day, it'll be fine by the end of the year. But there are thematic threads I need to find and I need to immerse myself more in the Star Wars world. So that I'm thinking more that way. This is how the oh Jedi. darn! You have to watch some more movies and TV. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just awful. What a shame. I'm, and I'm going to have to listen to the audiobook of my Star Wars novel because oh, I'm not going to research other people's Star Wars novels. I'm going to research my yeah, own. I'll find, I'll find that voice. You know, and there are other things too. But also, you know, getting ready for uh, Manila. Uh, I have my my physical training program is what it needs to be, you know, in terms of skill, in terms of strength, in terms of power and speed and endurance and flexibility and tissue elasticity and balance and alignment. I, I've got everything under control to create the kind of aliveness that I feel I could go there for a week and have a wonderful time. You're going to do great. And it's also book research because part of your new project is also. That's right. That's right. The, so. the last third of the book will take place in the Philippines, you know, Indonesian archipelago. Uh, and so there's no way, you know, I have to, I'm going to have to do research and I won't really know what I'm writing about until I come back. Because, you know, like, for instance, I didn't know that they had giant bats in, in the Philippines. Scary, huge. It's like that's the kind of detail that can be so cool. Yeah, uh, it's a different world, and I, 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 I won't. I'll be there with with a, a Filipino who has uh, connections to that community, so I'll have a chance to get outside the compound and see some things. And there will be you know touristy things and so forth and so on. And I'm going to try to let my unconscious mind just open up and say, what flavor am I looking for here? Because I'm talking about a group of people who are a combination of East African and Filipino genetics and cultures. Mm. This is the tribe, my Ibandi, who I created, you know, a long time ago. I've written about their middle magic. school, right? No, no, no. I, I don't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. I first wrote about them. There was uh, a character named Eros, who was a thief, who I wrote stories about actually a 220 verse epic poem called, uh, that, that I, that I wrote about him. I've probably still got a copy of it someplace, but he was an Abandi. And then I wrote a story for a Larry Niven anthology about the Abandi whose, whose babies were born magical. And then, uh, my character, Aubrey Knight is descended from the Abandi and has this, this unnatural, level of body-mind coordination. And I'm going, because that takes place in the future, the Kundalini equation now becomes the prequel to the street lethal universe. There you go. I am now explaining, going to explain why Aubrey Knight is what he is. Because his people in East Africa, their native arts were combined with arts from India and then spread out to the Philippines. And so in East Africa, this, this thing happened. And eventually led to him, but it also created these other effects. So it's a linked universe. And I, I didn't realize that it was a linked universe or the potential for it until fairly recently. Full circle, baby. And I'm pretty proud of us, too, because we felt like teenagers, but we're not teenagers when we went to Universal Horror Nights last night and walked for at least four miles. But we had the best time. And hey. <laughs> 
Like, well, what's up? Something. I think we brought something back with us, honey. I got to talk. I got to move to the end of the strike because, wow, we we live out in San Bernardino County, so we are not going to pretend we were out on the picket lines every day by any means. Although we did work the neutral gate together, Steve and I at Universal, which is a gate where by WGA agreement, only certain vehicles could pass. And so we were writing down license numbers and keeping track of who was coming and going. And I did that a couple of times with Steve and two or three times with other people. And also we did pick it once or twice together. But a lot of my effort was on the social media front and probably you too, Steve, on Facebook in terms well, of yeah, educating people. A lot of it, you know, it's just 100% down for the strike. It, it wasn't, I never felt like it was necessary to demonize anybody. It was just, this is what we deserve. Oh, this I is what we're going to get. <laughs> you know, these people, AI is a threat. If the people who have the money believe that it can do what we do and they have the right to do it and the power to do it, then it doesn't matter that they'll eventually fail. People will lose their homes. Yeah. You know, so- this, it, it doesn't matter. I don't want them to learn down the road what our value is. I want them to have to make allowances for it now. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to set the stage about when we heard the news, because it was the best possible circumstances for us. Writers usually live a solitary lifestyle, and, and one of the the things that writers have said during the strike was even though it was a horrible circumstance, no one wants to be on strike. They love the joy of communal activity. These solitary writers are getting to go out, talk to other writers, just not feel like such, you know, weirdo outcasts because we live in our heads so much. And as a matter of fact, just by pure coincidence, I had agreed to moderate a panel on adaptation at Octavia's Bookshelf Bookstore in Pasadena, which if you have not been there, is an adorable bookstore in honor of Octavia Butler. It's great. And Nicole Levy, who wrote the Writer's uh, Room Survival Guide, she's been a former guest on our podcast, invited me to moderate this panel. And this was such a great panel. It had Lee Bardugo on it. It had Mark Bernardin and it had Hornsack Pichette showed, I mentioned him earlier, all of them talking about their adaptation experiences. And as we're walking out of the door, literally, cheers are erupting from inside the <laughs> Because Nicole, you know, all the writers were hitting refresh, refresh, waiting for news from the Writers Guild. Usually, you know, usually they give you these updates by 6 p.m. But during the five days of negotiating, the updates were coming very late, which was telling us, oh, they're talking. Oh, they're serious. Because the previous two negotiations were kind of a joke from the AMPTP side. 
One of them felt more like a social media stunt where they where they could say, well, we tried, you know, and then there was no actual engagement. I got to ask, when it comes right down to it, I want to say this in a measured way. They folded like a cheap suit. They absolutely. Well, let me finish setting the stage for the celebration. Yeah. So she's getting the word on the phone and I got to do a TikTok video and we're all celebrating. And it was just so nice to be with other writers at that moment. But yeah, let's go back to what you were bringing up. They folded like a cheap suit. They did. And that suggests that they always knew that their position was untenable, that they always understood that they did not have a legitimate leg to stand on. So making a social media error, like saying they wanted us to lose our houses, strikes me as the kind of statement that people make when they don't have anything legitimate to say. You know, if she say, well, you know, the, the executives are earning, you know, over $100 million over these three years, and you're saying that you can't afford to make these changes. And the president of whatever, com- whatever company that was said, well, that's just the business model. You know, that nobody buys into that. Well, then it ain't working. You know what you it know, is? It, I'm saying that even they knew. Even I, I, they knew that they were in the wrong. So that's meant, that's why when when things finally came and they had to deal with us because the holidays are coming. And, and the stocks needed, are all going down. That's major- right. To me, it was all bravado on their part. It was all bluff. They were totally bluffing. When, it, when we called their bluff, they folded. And I think that, that what's important here, the real lesson here is be sure that you actually believe you deserve what you're asking for. True. That you're not bluffing. You're not just trying to, to pile on. You're saying, this is what we need to survive. This is what is fair. If you if you do that, then you're prepared to march or die. You're prepared to, to, to not give in. You have to know what you're ultimately willing to fight for. To that degree, I watched them using Sun Tzu's The Art of War with Beautiful efficiency and effectiveness by allowing smaller companies to sign so that they could go on with their work. That meant that production executives, development executives were doing nothing. They had nothing to do. How do they justify their salaries? I mean, stockholders saw the cliff coming. So the stock started, started falling. Who wants to invest in a company that's playing blind man's bluff with people who are, aren't wearing a blindfold? We saw where this was going they were trying to create something that they could not do they will try again they'll they'll approach it from the other direction this is where i think they messed up you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right that anonymous quote that was leaked to deadline that has become infamous yeah where someone said that the end goal was basically to starve us out and wait till people start losing their homes losing their homes and of course, what happens then is you hope, well, they're nice and tender now, and they're just going to take any old deal, like maybe the DGA. Oh, wait, did I say that? They're just going to take any old deal. And it didn't work. And and I think there are some really, really important takeaways, not just for the WGA, for, but for all labor <laughs> with this strike, because the they were going by a very old playbook. And I think this playbook did not take social media into account. Usually you can create dissent. Usually you have agents of dissent who can make public statements to the media that go unrefuted, and then public opinion sways toward the studios. 
That never happened in this case. The public opinion, even among Democrats, Republicans, you name it, the public opinion was always with the writers and the actors during the strike, I say, in large part because of the unity we were able to maintain. Like people literally who were losing their houses were standing on picket lines to fight for jobs they might not even have when the strike is over. Those people who are picketing, not everybody's phone was ringing on Wednesday morning, okay? (laughs) And not everybody had anything at all lined up. Now you just get to compete in one of the most competitive arenas in the world starting on Wednesday all over again. Maybe you'll get a job, maybe you won't, but you're fighting for the future. And I think everyone really felt that very strongly. It's such a hit and miss industry anyway. We're used to months or sometimes years out of work. So being on strike, thanks to a lot of these systems that have been set up, is not that different than waiting to be paid for five or six months, waiting to be paid for a year over something that you had already written. I think there's a lesson here that that relates to just relationships in general, whether friendships or intimate relationships or business relationships. And that is if you leave a pork chop on the table, the dog will steal it. And it's not the dog's fault. At some point, you have to understand that is the dog's nature. It is the nature of large corporations to expand and eat everything they can. It's like it is the nature of individuals to move away from pain toward pleasure. The people who are dangerous are people who say or imply that corporations are more moral than unions. Mm. If you say that they have equal morality, now you're seeing these two different groups you know, against each other. That, there's nothing wrong with that. There are people who say, no, you know, union strong, you know, unions are better. I'm, one I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people who thinks that unions are absolutely necessary because you need – or if, if, if you don't do that, then the corporation, which is nothing more than a large union in its own, in its own way, it's a union of people with a particular intent and philosophy and, and particular values and goals, will eat individuals alive. The only protection individuals have is organizing as unions. So unlike you, I did see pushback. And I all the pushback I saw was from people who are very much on the right. Uh, mm-hmm. They may even be Democrats, but they tended to be more conservative in that sense, that, that sense of distrust of labor. Oh, and there were definitely people, I'm sure, within the WGA who were afraid that they were pushing too far and pushing too much. And they're never going to share those streaming numbers. They're never going to get up off of the possibility of AI because it's such a golden opportunity. And guess what? (laughs) After more than 140 days... After a sustained social media campaign where every time a falsehood emerged in the media, we could slap it down in real time. If you know, they say- I, and I, to me, I would I would compare this to people who say, I cannot leave my job. You know, I, I have these needs when you're not paying attention to the fact that people leave their jobs every day, including, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, people in terrible situations. And I would think that a lot of these people are intelligent but they don't consider that intelligence is problem solving. If I would say, are you telling me that with a year of preparation, you couldn't figure out a way to, to change jobs? Two years, three years, five years? What are you really saying about yourself if you don't think you can do that? The same thing I think is true in abusive relationships. It is the fear of leaving that stops Ooh. people more than the realities of what will occur. At some point, you have to decide what you are and are not willing to let happen to you. Right. And, and and I love your oh sorry, go on. Oh no, please. I just love your analogy of an abusive relationship because that's exactly what it had become. 
You know, I was explaining this to my 88-year-old father, who is not a screenwriter. And it's it's my firm belief that these issues were so obvious that even a four-year-old child could understand, like, if you were explaining to a child, well, they're making more money, but they're paying writers less money. Because that was the trend in the past 10 years. As their profits are, are shifting in one direction, our profits were shifting down, shifting downward. And the big one, and this is the one that I think affects all writers. I won't go through the whole deal memo and all the gains that we won, because I don't even understand some of this stuff. I've only been in one writer's room, so this is all kind of news to me. But artificial intelligence, whether you're a teacher what no matter what industry you're in, artificial intelligence, chat GPT has become a part of our lives. And, you know, you can joke about the inaccuracies and I've been able to educate my students about how they they have to look at it as sort of almost a version of Wikipedia where they really have to do their own research, but it's a starting point. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to accommodate ourselves. But clearly studios had this dream in mind that in short order, Chat GPT and other programs like it were going to grow so quickly that they would be able to replace some jobs in in the oh, industry. Absolutely. They they envisioned it like this, I can guarantee you. In the same way that creative people tend to think that the money people are Philistines, creative the the money people think that the creative people are children. Right. You know, when Alfred Hitchcock talked about actors being like cattle, this is mm. a perspective. They need to move where I want them to to, to go and do what I want them to do. The executives who are responsible to the the money people, you know, multinational corporations that own studios, would love to be able to go to their bosses and their boss says, well, you know, why don't why don't we do a movie about space cows? And they say, you know, do a movie about space cows, I'll move, you know, I, I'd love to see that. You know, I'll I'll we'll we would back such a movie. The executives would then love to be able to go to chat GPT and say, give me a dozen plots, a dozen movie ideas about space cows. You mm -hmm. look at those ideas and say, oh, these three look okay. They the can come up with some ideas that they've ripped off of stuff that, that's already been programmed into them. Sure. The thing, is, the thing is that that's how human creativity works. Right. I get it. I get we are, it. We're all scraping. So it's but not they, that. They have the, a, this yeah. little group of people thought that they could do that and then take their best three ideas and break them down and then tinker with it and then finally hand that over to a writer. Or they thought, we'll do that and then we'll have the, the, the program write right. the script. No, they really did think that they yeah. were going to be having programs writing probably showroom notes, which means that someone like a showrunner's assistant or the room assistant would then be undermined and out of a job. Like you Well, just I think that ultimately they thought that they could remove the creative people entirely if those creative people were not. In other words, that the threat of that, they could use that threat to break the union. And, and right. I think they had a true dream that one day yes. AI would be completely writing scripts, really. Like they're saying- yeah, Or that. If they could be, it's not that they mind human beings writing scripts. Or those human beings would then be totally cooperative and pitifully grateful for right. any jobs they get. So right. they're, they're buddies- you know, people who they know and they hang with and they go to Maui with and, you know, the good old boys network. But they would be able to get rid of any writer that, that they felt was difficult. And creativity is difficult. Creativity mm -hmm. is messy. So the people who are the bean counters are going to be uncomfortable with the people who are comfortable with chaos 
and dreams, dreams and nightmares. It, there's a way in which it's like you know, you're le- the left and right lobes of your brain fighting each right. other. Both right. are necessary, but each has a, a, a bit of contempt for the other if you're not right. And, so and- I think that we just had to show them. You know, no, you can't do this. We know what's coming. We see what you're trying to do, and we're not going to let you do it. And we will not stand for it. Okay, all the memes. We have the memes from whether it's Wakanda or Hunger Games. <laughs> all the me- union, Sally Field holding the union sign. All That's the right. And this is where unity is important. I made a jab at the DGA, which is the Directors Guild, earlier. Because they went ahead and agreed to some things that the Writers Guild had already not agreed to when 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 they or that the Writers Guild did not agree to. I don't remember the order. And that just meant, I think, ultimately, probably that the strike went on a bit longer because we didn't have that backup. And I'll use an example. AI is not the only thing that SAG-AFTRA is still on strike for. And by the way, as of this airing on Sunday, SAG-AFTRA begins its negotiations on Monday. And I'm very hopeful that by the end of next week, the actor strike will also be over. Now, yeah. AI isn't the only thing they were worried about. But here's where unity matters. If the Writers Guild had caved on AI, then that gives the Actors Guild much less sturdy ground to stand on and their right. fight not to have to sign away the likeness as a part of just a standard contract, okay? A standard contract that says, oh, by the way, we get to use your likeness whenever and however we want without giving you extra compensation or whatever. You also need to have protections for future generations of writers because AI is coming. And if someone like, you know, Bruce Willis, who's no longer acting because of a mental issue, you know, a cognitive issue, if his family signs over the rights to create an AI Bruce Willis. That's different. Then you have AI Bruce Willis starring in Die Hard 10, as opposed (laughs) to some new actor having his opportunity to come in. And it won't just be Bruce Willis. It'll be all the background people and all the people who signed over their rights to do that, which is not always going to be disadvantageous to them and their families. But now you have these immortal ghosts Mm. who are taking roles in movies and the the studios would love that, that each of those ghosts is operated by basically a crew of puppeteers who can be replaced easily. There's no facial identification. Mm-hmm. Now they become the people who the studios can easily fire. You know, just now the studios have nothing more than puppets, you know, right. ghost writers, ghost actors, and the studios, the people with the money are pulling all the strings. Of course, that's what they want. And you have to acknowledge that's what they want and laugh at it a little bit, but also say, no, you don't. No. You don't get to do this. You don't get no. to have all the toys. You absolutely You're share do the toys. So I would like to give you, the, the listener, uh, a little bit of a window into the language that the WGA won for their new contract, specifically as it has to do with AI, since that's something that we can all relate to, even if we're not writers. This is what they won. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under this contract, meaning that AI-generated material can't be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights. Yay for that one. Ding, ding, ding. And and I believe that that the, the Supreme Court had a ruling that AI created material can't be copyrighted. So I do believe you're right about that. So and there's something else in the news I want to bring up after I read the points. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. A writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services, but but if the company consents and provided that the writer follows 
the policies, but the company can't require it. Big one, giving the freedom, you know, maybe somebody does want to use some sort of a summary from AI. That's yeah, I mean, AI, using AI to. to generate and kind of test ideas and brainstorm if you're sitting by yourself. I see nothing wrong with that. The, the company has to disclose if the writer, to the writer, if any materials given have been generated by AI. This is relevant now, writers, by the way. Some of your publishers are using AI to create your covers, your cover art. You need to be proactive and make sure that a living human artist has been hired to create your covers because in this WGA agreement, blows when any AI is used. And those are the big ones, honey. And, and the last thing I wanted to mention is that there was recently a lawsuit just in the past few days. Several writers sued OpenAI for copyright infringement because their works were being used to basically train AI. So you have very high level writers as a part of this lawsuit. Yeah. So writers of all kinds are fighting back. Yeah, this is this is writers. Science fiction writers are a subset of writers. We have been seeing AI coming for a long time. The question of what do we do, I've been saying for a very long time, stop arguing about whether we have AI yet Oof, and start dealing with the fact that it's going to be here. What will we do then? There are people who keep doing this. It's not here yet, so don't worry about it. It's not mm -hmm. here yet, so don't worry about it. And to me, that's like saying the dam hasn't broken. Don't create, don't create plans you know, for emergency evacuation. Hello, wait, climate change. <clears throat> wait, yeah. So, like, that is head in the sand foolishness. Oof, the word. And the AI has already crossed all of the all of the standards that people were talking about back when I was a kid. You know, the Turing test and beating human beings at chess and this and yeah, that. Yeah, right. You know, so like it's like okay, we can now say those were never the right standards. But my what's going on in my mind is that they're human beings who don't accept that other human beings are fully intelligent. That's Certainly true. we don't believe that, that animals are sapient. So mm -hmm. don't tell me we're going to get agreement on this. It's not going to happen. It, 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 what that means is it is if, if AI happens, it is 100% certain that it will happen while some people are saying it's not happening. That no. is 100% certain. So we have to be, we have to make plans now. And yeah. to a certain degree, ignore the question of, is it here? And start saying, what are we going to do when it's here? And, yeah. and, and have that in place now. And I'm proud of the Writers Guild. They, they're some of the first people to take the bull by the horns in that sense. I could not be more proud. I mean, just the idea that writers who often are these bookish, solitary people would stand up and create a wall of resistance and say, not here, not today, <laughs> and stay unified through the yeah, well, heat it, of it, summer. What I'm proud of is that ultimately this is a question that involves human survival on the planet. Yes. It only seems to be an issue about writers and studios. It's yes. really digging into that question, what is it to be human? And science fiction writers have been warning for a long time. We're going to have conversations about, you know, are robots human? Do robots have souls? Is this, this, is this, this? That future is here. These are the questions of today. And if we don't start having serious conversations about them now, it will be too late. It's almost too late, but it's not too late. I think that, that yeah. this is good. What I'm seeing right here, this is how, this is how you do it. You what take a testament. It to the human spirit. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
I mean, That's this right. is an industry like Maureen Ryan, who wrote Burn It Down, which if you haven't read it, oh my God, Burn It Down, Power, Complicity, and a Call for Change in Hollywood. She is in shock at what a great deal that the writers got. And hopefully the, the actors will follow suit. But it it works, people. Unionizing works. Standing up works. We don't have to take it. We don't have to accept that this is the business model. They need our labor. They yes. need us. And, and ultimately, power. I believe it's important to remember that they're not villains. They're just trying to get everything they can. And they're being selfish. Human beings are selfish. We Sometimes you have to slap that dog's paw when it reaches for the pork chop. You know, it's, it's, it's the nature of things. We are a whole. We create. They distribute and fund. If we did not need them to distribute and fund, if we were doing it with our own money, the people within our community who provide the money and the distribution would start becoming the enemy. That all you have to do is divide people up into bosses and employees. And some of the things that employees complain about will start manifesting among the bosses and vice versa. So understanding that we need each other, but we must stand up. We must protect ourselves. We have to protect our own and be aware. Remember the people who were stumping for the studios. Remember the people who said the union, you know, that that strikes were bad and so forth and so on and compared it to Mm -hmm. communism and so forth and so on. Remember those people. They will try to reinvent themselves and claim that they never said that. Be aware of them. Be careful about them because they're all they're going to do is go back behind their masks until the next time when they start offering reasonable advice about why really you shouldn't strike and really you shouldn't do this. It's like Lucy with the football. You know, mm. really, I'm going to hold the football this time. Really, if you just work hard, the studios or the corporations are going to reward you. You don't need to organize. People who say that are snakes. Mm. Or yeah, some of them, I'm going to take your tack here. I think some of those people are, maybe even all of them are acting out of fear. Yeah, you know, right? and asking what the fear is of. But I think that there's questions. There are people who identify more with the people at the top. The people true. Oh, yeah, that's true. The people at the bottom. You don't have uh, anything, but you want to believe that one day you're going to be rich like them just if you're on their maybe, team. You know, or just the, you just kind of believe that people with more money are better. Oh, yeah, they're better. They're more Yeah, it's better. not that you're going to be one of them. It's that they're literally they're, better. Yeah, they're literally better people. There's Yeah, that's whew, that's a whole different conversation. I'm just so I'm so excited that that this has happened. So excited for the, the writers who are literally some of them back in their writers' rooms, those who are trying to find work. If you're a more established screenwriter and you have an opportunity for what's called pre- WGA. A lot of those folks who just had dreams of being in the industry were on those picket lines every day. Do not forget those people. We are lifting as we climb, as they say. And really, uh, I hope you're all taking inspiration from what the WGA has accomplished. Fingers crossed for what will happen in the coming week. And I would just like to encourage all the listeners to join my mailing list, www.tananareevelist.com. It's www.stephenbarneslist.com to you know get on that list come to our our meetings on on Saturday mornings to yeah, we have live join Zoom. one of our programs the life writing premium program at lifewritingpremium.com it's a year long program during which you know in combination with the other things we're doing we are teaching you everything that we know so that you, you will not will have an easier time of it than 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 we had i promise you if you can take 
my advice, and you are willing to invest as much of your time and energy as I have, you will go a lot further than I've gone because I didn't have my own advice. I had to learn yeah. stuff along the way. That's how this works. That's how the world moves forward. We learn whose advice to take. And we're hoping that you're, you know, that we're being honest enough that you feel that you can trust us. Pass, I pass it along as soon as I learn it. That's why That's I right. love teaching. I learned so much teaching screenwriting. I learned so much teaching creative writing. Sweetheart, that's typical of masters, quite honest. Masters are always learning, always doing, and always teaching. That's what so, masters do. With that victory under our wings, everybody, please go out. Make yourself the hero or heroine of your own story. The hero and the adventure of your lifetime. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.